We're in this brand new series on love, and we're talking all about how to begin to focus on loving like Jesus loves. And why are we doing that? Why are we focusing for 40 whole days on learning to love like Jesus? Well, it's because anything that we practice for five or six weeks or 40 days or whatever, those things seem to stick with us. And so we're taking 40 days to just take a look at how we can better love like Jesus. Now, if you missed last week's kickoff message, you can go to our website, canyonhillsfriends.org, and just click on Messages, and you can listen to last week's kickoff message, which is entitled, Love Matters Most. And I encourage you to, to even if you're going to work, uh, dial it up on your phone, listen to your phone on the way to work, and God will speak to your heart. Because our goal for this series is that you become an expert on love that you really become a pro when it comes to loving like Jesus loves you. That you become really one who can express love to other people in the same ways that Jesus expresses love to you. We want you to actually, here it is, we want you to get a black belt in love, all right? We want you to get a gold medal when it comes to love. We want you to win a blue ribbon when it comes to love. And yet to do that, you need a good model to follow. And of course, Jesus is our best example to show us how to, to really love other people. And this is what Jesus says right here. John chapter 13, verse 34. Jesus says, I'm giving you a new commandment. So when he came to earth, he says, you've been living like this, folks, but I'm gonna give you a new command to follow. And then he says, love each other in the same way that I have loved you. Now, look at, the, look at the words in the same way. Jesus is saying, follow me. Follow my example. Follow the, the way that I've loved others. Follow my model. Show love to others in the same ways that I have shown love to you. Jesus says this, I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. So today, we're gonna look at how God has First of all, shown love to you. How does he show love to you? And then second, how God wants you to show that very same kind of love to other people. So write this down. Loving Jesus, first of all, means that you accept others just like he does. Now, followers of Jesus, we should be the most accepting people in the world. Amen? And yet, a lot of times, churches, we get... We get hits for being too judgmental, for being legalistic and all kinds of things like that. But we should be the most accepting people. You see, here's the deal. The deepest wounds that a person can ever receive are the wounds of rejection. The wounds of not being accepted in some way. You see, a moment of rejection or a moment when a word is spoken to put you down, whether it's from a parent or a coach or a teacher, somebody's just saying, you're worthless or you'll, you'll never amount to anything. A moment of rejection like that can wound you more deeply than anything else on earth. And we've probably all experienced not being accepted by someone, by being rejected by someone, whether it's a parent or whether it's a peer on the playground or some professional in your career. And once that has happened, what, what happens to us? Then we start to try to travel through life trying to either avoid re rejection or trying to be accepted 
by doing all the right things, by wearing the right clothes, by having the most in hairstyle, by trying to drive the most acceptable car and have the most acceptable career. In fact, as people, we do all kinds of crazy things just trying to be accepted, just trying to be in the group. Well, friends, there's a myth that says, if I can just get this or that right, then I'll be perfect, I'll be loved, I'll always be accepted, I'll be in the group. But that is just absolutely wrong. You see, Jesus himself was perfect, amen? Amen. And they nailed the perfect one to a cross, amen? amen? So Jesus did it all right, and he still wasn't liked. He did it all right, and they nailed him to a cross. So the truth is this, no matter what you do, There's going to be somebody who doesn't like you. And there will be somebody who will reject you. So the starting point this morning for loving like Jesus is to learn how Jesus shows love and acceptance to you. How does he love you? First of all, take a look at this. The Bible says the Father gives me my people. Every one of them will come to me and I will always accept them. Look at the word always. Jesus always accepts you. Here at Canyon Hills, we talk a lot about accepting Jesus into your life. I say a lot, have you accepted Jesus as your Savior and your Lord? But what I want you to understand this morning, once you have accepted Jesus into your life as Savior and Lord, you need to understand deep in your spirit that he has accepted you. Amen? That you have really been accepted by Jesus Christ. With all your imperfections, With all of your failures, he accepts you. I like to say it this way. He loves you, period. Amen? Amen. He loves you, period. Now, maybe that's hard for you to grasp because maybe you grew up with some parents who were unpleasable. No matter what you did or or how hard you worked, it was never good enough for your parents. And so if you brought home a report card with C's, it was never good enough. They wanted B's. If you brought home a report card with B's, they wanted, they wanted A's. And if you brought home A's, they wanted straight A's. Amen? Anybody been there? If your parents here, don't raise your hand. Okay. <laughs> but that's, that's just the way it was. And so you grew up feeling like you could never measure up to mom and dad's expectations. And maybe some of you are still not feeling accepted. And maybe some of you are still trying to, to prove to a parent that you are acceptable. And you're still thinking, I've got to show them somehow. And you're working hard to gain their acceptance. But listen, if your parents or a couple of others don't like you, what I want to say this morning is, so what? If two or three people on this planet of six and a half billion people, if two or three people don't like you, so what? (laughs) If they don't accept you, so what? Because the truth is, I like you. (laughs) God likes you. And most of you have a, have a dog or cat that likes you, right? You come home, the tail's wagging. There are some people who really, really like you and love you. So the question is this. The Bible says, even if my mother and father forsake me, the Lord will receive you. The question is, who will receive you if everybody else doesn't like you? The Lord. Amen? The Lord will receive you. God loves you. God accepts you. The Bible says this, Jesus treated us much better than we deserve. Anybody want to say amen to that? (laughs) He made us acceptable to God and gave us the hope of eternal life. Now, how does he make us acceptable? Well, simply by his amazing grace. 
He just extends his grace to you and he says, I accept you. So it's not that you have changed so that God would accept you. It's not that you got any better. It's not that you became perfect. It's not that you you earned it. He just gave you grace and accepted you. Now, there is a difference between acceptance and approval. He definitely accepts you. But he doesn't, that doesn't mean that he approves of every single thing you do. You can accept somebody without approving of their choices, without approving of the lifestyle that they have chosen. And a good example of this is Jesus was walking down, walking down the street one day and some religious leaders came and they had caught a woman in the act of adultery and they grabbed her, brought her into the street, brought her to Jesus, threw her down before Jesus and they said, Jesus, she was caught in the act of adultery. And I look at that scripture and I think, they caught the woman, how come they didn't bring the man? Takes two, right? <laughs> But they just brought the woman. Somehow the man got away. And they brought the woman and said, Jesus, what do you say about this? She was caught in the act of adultery. The law says she's supposed to be stoned to death for this. Jesus, what do you say? And Jesus was really quiet for a while. He wrote on the ground for a while. And then he looks up and he goes, those of you who have never sinned, you guys can throw the first stone. And one by one, every one of them walked away. So what was Jesus doing here in this moment? What was he doing? He was giving her acceptance as a person even though he didn't approve of the act that she was caught in. Then in a private moment after everybody had left, he said, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she said, well, no one, sir. Then Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go now and sin no more. In other words, I accept you. With all of your flaws and with, with all of your imperfections, I love you, I accept you. I didn't approve of what you were doing, so go, go and don't do that anymore. <laughs> but I accept you. Listen, the Bible says this, God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save it. So Jesus came to save her, not condemn her. And in the same way, Jesus came to accept her, not reject her. And in the same way, he came to do the same for you. And then he calls every one of us to do the very same thing for others. We may not have approved of their lifestyle, but he calls us to accept others, to love others. Here's the point. What God does for you, he expects you to do for others. The Bible says this, accept one another then just as Christ accepted you. Now, during these 40 days of love, we're going to work on skills to help us love like Jesus. So here's the first skill. On your outline, there's a little blank line, and it's called an action step. So here's an action step I'd like for you to take this week. It simply says, this week, I will show acceptance to, and I would like you to sometime during your, your quiet time with God this week, to write a name in there. Maybe somebody who just absolutely irritates you. Anybody have one of those? Somebody who absolutely angers you, that you just don't get, <laughs> but you write their name in there. I will show acceptance like Jesus does for me to this person, and then go out of your way to show some acceptance. Loving like Jesus means accepting others the way Jesus accepts you. Second, write this down. Loving like Jesus then means that you value others as he does for you. First question is this, how valuable are you? 
And I'm not, I'm not talking about your valuables, but how much are you worth? And I'm not talking about your net worth, but instead, how much do you think you are worth? I'm talking about your self-worth. And you may not know the answer to that question, but I know how much you're worth. You are infinitely and you are eternally valuable to God. First, he created you. Second, he sent Jesus to die for you. Third, he sent his Holy Spirit to live inside of you. Fourth, he's planned for you to live with him for all eternity. To God, you are infinitely valuable. Your value never ends. You are eternally valuable to God. The Bible says this, are not five sparrows sold for two small coins? In other words, you look at sparrows and they're not very valuable. And yet the Bible says, yet not one of them has escaped the notice of God. So God is saying here that he notices even the smallest of birds. He notices that he made them and he values them. He values everything he makes. Then the Bible goes on and says, even the heads, hairs on your head have all been counted. That includes the ones that fell out when you were getting ready this morning. He even knows how many of those are in the sink. You are far more valuable, he says, than many sparrows. I want this to sink in. God values you. But what makes something valuable? Two things. Write the first one down. Something's value depends on who created it. What's more value? Here's a way to say it. What's more valuable? A painting by Picasso or a sketch by Pastor Larry? See, you automatically know. You automatically know what's more valuable. It's the one who creates it that makes it valuable. So who created you? God did. What's that mean? It means that you are valuable. The Bible says it this way. We are God's workmanship. You came from the work of God's very own hands. The Bible says that his hands knit you together in your mother's womb. Wow. The one who created you is the one who makes you valuable. Second, something's value depends on what somebody will pay for it. How much is your house worth? Well, probably not as much as you think it is or think it should be. But how much is, how much is your house worth? It's worth what, it, what somebody will pay for it. That's what it's worth. So listen close now. You are of greater value than you think because Jesus, who was God in the flesh, came to earth and was willing to give up his very own life to purchase you, to pay for your sins, and to redeem you. The Bible says it this way. He paid for you. In other words, God paid for you with his precious life blood, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. How much are you worth? God the Father proved your worth value by sending his son to die for you. The Bible says this. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she's born? Though she may forget, I, the Son of God, will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on my palms of my hands. Did you know that when you get to heaven, the only scars you'll ever see anywhere on anybody in heaven are only the scars on the hand of Jesus? 
And that's because he wants you to see just how valuable you are to him. He wants you to see, I went to the cross for you. I want you to know how much you mean to me. I went through the pain of physical death. I took your sins upon me. He wants you to know how valuable you are to him. And then Jesus wants you to to value others in the same way as he values you. But how do you do that? The Bible says this, treat everyone you meet with dignity. Look at that second word in that sentence. Everyone. Treat everyone you meet with dignity. Whether you agree with them or disagree with them, treat them with dignity. Everybody say wow with me. Wow. Everyone? You don't know. But God says treat everyone. Whether you like them or dislike them, treat them with dignity. How do you do that? Well, there's a verse right here in the scripture that tells us how Jesus treated a guy who just busted out of the crowd, got in his face, and asked him a question. This is how Jesus says, the Bible says, Jesus looked at him and he loved him. Listen, you can't love without looking. You can't treat someone with dignity without taking a look at them eye to eye and listening to them. So when somebody serves you at a restaurant this coming week, when somebody serves you at a coffee shop, when somebody serves you at a grocery store, and you don't take your eyes off your food, off your friends, or off your phone, and look at them and pay attention to them, you're not loving them like Jesus. You should treat every person you meet with dignity. You see, love looks. Love listens. Followers of Jesus don't have the right to be impolite. Amen? We don't have the right to be impolite to anyone. And I believe with all my heart, if we, the 600 people who call Canyon Hills our church home, if we all treated everyone as valuable and treated everyone with dignity by looking at them and listening to them, it would change our community. If we all did that, it would change our community. So here's an action step for this coming week. As you get alone with God, say this week, I will affirm the value of who? Does somebody around you have low self-esteem, low self-worth? You know that they need to have a sense of value. Will you come alongside of them and begin to treat them with dignity and the love of Jesus Christ? You see, loving Jesus means you accept others, you value others, and then third, write this down, and you forgive others just as he forgives you. You see, God does forgive. But sometimes when things go wrong, some people think that God is kind of getting back at them for all the wrong things that they've done. There was one guy who felt like that, and, and I feel bad for this guy because this is a true story. One day, his wife walked out on him, and on the same day, One of his kids got suspended from school. And on the same day, he got fired from his job. And on the next day, I mean on the same day, he wrecked his car. He wrecked his car all in one day. So he gets out of his car, his wrecked car. He looks up to to heaven and he goes, why me, God? Why all of this stuff is, is happening to me? And suddenly he hears a voice from heaven that says, because some people just tick me off. No, that's not true. (laughs) I'm just teasing. God would never say that. 
You see, God does not respond to any of us like that. God never carries grudges. God forgives. And God wants you to forgive others when they mess up, just like he forgives you when you mess up. God says this. Look at this. I love this scripture. I am the God who forgives your sins. And I do this because of who I am. I will not hold your sins against you. God is a God who wants to forgive every single one of your sins. The Bible says this. Long ago, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. So that means before God ever created anything that exists, before you were ever born, God was already planning to forgive you. And through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, he made that possible to forgive you for every sin. Now that is just absolutely amazing. And that's why the Bible says this. There is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Those who have said, Jesus, come into my heart, be my Savior, be my Lord. The Bible says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So since Jesus has gone to that extent to forgive you, he now commands you to do the same with others. That you also forgive others. The Bible says this, you must make allowance for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you. And look at those next three words. So you must forgive others. Jesus says this, forgive and you will be forgiven. Jesus says, shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? The answer is yes. So this week, when you get alone with God, here's your action step. Why don't you sit down and say, this week, I will offer forgiveness to, and then fill in the blank. Who has hurt you? Who has offended you? Who has ticked you off? <laughs> Who will you offer forgiveness to and say, God, if, if there's justice to be had, if there's somebody who needs to be spanked for their wrongs, I'll leave that up to you. But from this point on, I'm going to offer them forgiveness deep down in my soul. I'm going to let them go for what they've done. I forgive them. Loving like Jesus means you accept others, you value others, you forgive others. And then last this morning, you believe in others just like he does. I believe that everybody needs somebody to really believe in them. I had a couple people growing up that really believed in me. And I can tell you their, their names right off the top of my hat because their belief gave me courage to become who God wanted me to be. Everybody needs somebody to believe in them. The Bible says this, if you love someone, you'll be loyal to him no matter what the cost. You'll always believe in him, always expect the best of him, and always stand, stand your ground in defending him. See, that's exactly what Jesus wants you to do, and that's exactly what Jesus did. When Jesus looked at people, I mean, he saw where they were. He saw the, the sinfulness that they were living in. He saw where they were, but he also saw where they could be. He also saw their potential. And so whether it was Zacchaeus, the tax collector man, or Peter, that loud-mouthed, strong-willed fisherman, or Thomas, the slow-to-believe doubting man, no matter who it was, Jesus saw their potential. 
And then he walked with them. And then he encouraged them. And then later, he entrusted his whole ministry to them. In fact, Jesus said this to the Father. As you sent me into the world, I've now sent them into the world. So I want you to think about this. Jesus entrusted his entire plan to save the entire world to 12 uneducated men. Everybody say wow with me. Wow. And then one of them, Judas, bailed out, leaving just 11 of them to carry out God's plan. But Jesus saw that they were normal guys. He saw that they had no formal education, but he saw what they could be. And so he spent three years with these guys. They followed him. They listened to him. They watched him. And then after Jesus rose from the dead and before he ascended into heaven, he told them to take this message to the entire world. He told them to go and and make disciples and, and do the same things they'd seen him doing for the past three years. And so here's Jesus trusting them to carry on the mission and the ministry that he had started. To carry out the entire plan from the entire world to hear the gospel. He believed in them. He trusted them. He believed they could do it. And guess what? They did it. Amen? And because they did it, because they were faithful to share it and do everything that Jesus asked them to do, we're here today. Because those that they shared with down through the generations kept sharing as well. And it came to us. But as I thought about that, can you imagine the angels in heaven, what they were probably thinking? They're probably thinking, Jesus, you died this painful death to pay for all the sins of all humanity so that people could spend eternity with you in heaven. But now you're back here in heaven. What's your plan now for spreading the good news? And Jesus says, well, I'm I'm trusting uh, 11 guys. (laughs) I'm trusting 11 guys with no education and no formal training. I'm just trusting these 11 guys. And the angels are probably scratching their head and saying, Jesus, what's your plan B? And Jesus says, I got no plan B. I I believe in these guys. I know they can do it. And I'm trusting in them. And I want you to know this morning that God says the same thing about you. His present day disciples, you. He's saying, I believe in you. I believe in you. I believe in you. And don't get ticked if I don't point at you. <laughs> He's saying, you are my present day disciples. And I believe in you. You can do this. You can spread my message to the world. So Jesus is saying, I assure you, if you have faith and don't doubt You can do things like this, the same things that I've been doing, and much more. Jesus believed in his disciples. He believes in all of you, his present-day disciples. And now Jesus wants you to go and make more disciples and believe then in them, just like he believes in you. Jesus wants you to spend time with those disciples and then turn over your ministry to them. And you say, well, what's my ministry? Well, maybe you have the gift of teaching. 
Maybe you have the gift of encouragement. Maybe you have the gift of helps. Maybe you have the gift of serving. You might have the gift of pastoring. I don't know. But whatever gift, he says, teach them what you know and train them to do what you know they can do. And that's why the Bible says this. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. So who could you invite to join you and watch you and then spur on towards some ministry? Who could you trust and, and spur on to carry on the ministry that God's entrusted to you? Here's your action step. This week, I will demonstrate trust in, and then write somebody's name in there. I will come along somebody, and I will demonstrate to them that I believe in them, and I trust them. I'm going to invite them to come with me and join me and help me in my ministry that I do. You see, loving like Jesus means that you accept others. You value others. You forgive others, and you believe in others just like he does. God accepts you. He values you, forgives you, and believes in you. And God wants you to do the same for others. Amen? Amen. I want to close with this story. Fred Craddock is a pastor. And one summer he was on vacation in Tennessee. And they were eating out at this, this restaurant in Tennessee. And an, an old man came up to the, their table in the restaurant. And he goes, uh, you guys on vacation? And then Fred Craddock, the pastor, said, yeah, we're on vacation. And he goes, uh, what do you do for a living? And Fred says, well, I'm a, I'm a pastor. And we're just on vacation. We love it here in Tennessee. Then the old man just kind of chuckled and said, oh, well, then let me tell you a pastor story. And about at that point, I go, oh, no. What is, <laughs> what's he going to say? But he began to tell this pastor a story about another pastor. He sat down and he goes, I, I was born as an illegitimate child. I've never known who my father was. And so growing up, it was hard. Kids at school made fun of me and Every time I walked through the streets of my little town, it felt like people were staring at me trying to figure out, who's the father of that boy? Whose father is his? Then a new pastor came to town, and everybody was talking about how good the new pastor was at this church, and I never went to church, but I decided to go and listen one Sunday, and so I went, and he was good, and so I kept going back. But every time I would go to church, I would walk in late, and I would leave early so I wouldn't have to talk with anybody. Sounds like some of you, amen? <laughs> but then one Sunday, I got caught up listening, and I forgot to leave early. And the aisles were full, and I couldn't get out the door and as I tried to get out, I felt this heavy hand on my shoulder. And I looked up and I turned around, and it was the pastor. And the pastor said to me, what's your name? And before I could answer, he said, a, he said another thing. And he goes, whose son are you? And he said, at those words, I began to shake. Once again, I never knew who my father was. And before I could speak, the pastor said, I know whose son you are. I know who your father is. You're a child of God. Amen? You're a son of God. That's who you are. Then the old man said, you know what? Those words changed my life. Someone believed in me. And then he got up and he left. Suddenly, 
As soon as he left, the waitress in the, in the restaurant came running to their table. And they said, do you know who that man was? Who he is? That's Ben Hooper. He's the two-time governor of the state of Tennessee. You see, it changed. Those words changed his life. Listen. When that man learned he was a child of God, it changed everything for him. When he learned that God accepted him, that God valued him, that God forgave him and believed in him, it changed his whole life. Today, God wants you to leave this service knowing this one thing, that he loves you. Amen? God believes in you. And we want that to drill down into your heart and your soul this morning. And in this whole series, God loves you. And then God wants you to love others the way he loves you. The Bible says this, May you have the power to understand how wide, how long, how high, and how deep God's love for you really is. I want that to get into your spirit this morning. His love for you is greater than you've ever imagined. Amen? Amen. Would you bow your heads with me? If you're here this morning and you can't say with complete certainty that you've invited Jesus Christ into your heart and life to be your Savior and Lord, would you repeat this prayer in your heart and make this the day that you ask Him to come into your life and that you let Him start loving you like never before? Just pray this prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I confess that I have sinned. But I ask that you forgive all my sins. Come live in my heart as my Savior and Lord. And best that I know how, I will live for you. When you pray a prayer like that, God answers it. If you prayed that prayer, he's living in your heart right now and your sins are forgiven. But if you're here this morning and you're already a follower of Jesus, would you repeat these truths after me? And this morning, I want you to repeat these things out loud because I want these to get deep down in your heart and spirit this morning as well. So repeat after me. Here we go. No, no soft voices. We're, we're talking repeat with confidence and loud voices here. Repeat after me. Because of Jesus, because of Jesus, I am acceptable. I am valuable. I am forgivable. And I am capable. Father, help us to understand those truths and how much you love us and help us pass that on. To others, I pray in Jesus' name, amen.